I'm a believer in the holistic approach to things, but I also am a strong believer in Western medicine and evidence-based medicine. I have been a perfectionist my whole life and I'm finding freedom in the fact that perfection doesn't exist and it's not worth pursuing. Hello, everyone. Thanks for joining us on the 52 Weeks of Me podcast. I'm Jacqueline Osborne. And I'm Erica Brooks. This podcast is a platform for men and women to share their challenges and lessons they face throughout their journey toward achieving greater life balance through the four pillars of health and, of course, prioritizing the number one asset, you. Amazing. Let's get started. Danny, we are so excited to have you here today. To get us started, can you tell us all about yourself? Oh, gosh. Where to begin? Well, I grew up in Maryland. I did all my schooling there. Um, I came to Charleston, South Carolina for residency. And I've been here ever since. Absolutely love it. Came for the warm weather and I don't intend to leave. I have two small little babies, both of whom were IVF babies. So been through it all. And I have a wonderful husband. So I was a hospitalist for five years out of residency. Taking care of a, a sick people in the hospital, which gave me a ton of experience. And then I needed more of a work-life balance. And so I switched to primary care. Uh, closer to home, which has been fantastic. So that has really heightened my work-life balance significantly over the last couple months. And so yeah, here I am. So I found you through social media. And one of the things that I really love is how positive you are and how encouraging you are for people that are following you and watching you. Can you tell me a little bit about your personal journey and how you bring in this positivity and where it comes from? I believe in leading with gratitude and I have been so blessed in my life and I know that and I'm aware of it. And I think being in medicine, I see so much pain and suffering. I see people from all different walks of life who have gone through so many different trials that I could never even imagine. And so I know that my blessings are just, you know, everything. And so I, I feel like I am called to use that in a positive way. I do not believe all the negativity that is going on in the world today is how humanity is rooted. I wanted to promote positivity and positive energy in kind of a creative way. So I came up with this Instagram account where I could use some of my creativity and some of my knowledge in general health and wellness to push that out for people to enjoy. So I'm glad you're enjoying it mentioned earlier about switching from a hospitalist to a PCP. I just want to dig a little into that. What triggered you? You said to find more work-life balance, but how did you know you needed a change? How did you know it was time to make that shift? Originally went into family medicine for the goal of becoming a primary care doctor. And residency was very challenging in training for that. And I just didn't feel like I was quite ready to handle all the demands of that. And I wanted more experience with sicker patients. And so I went into the hospital first. And my goal was to be there actually about five years and then switch, which is exactly what happened. About two years into that job, I was loving it and was planning on doing it forever. And then I had a second baby. Then COVID happened. And then I was working every other weekend at least. I mean, I missed every other weekend of my son's first year of life, at least, if not more than that. And I was just getting run into the ground. It, it was exhausting. The boundaries of a hospital setting to practice medicine is very challenging. Some of the measures I feel like that you're measured on are not necessarily patient-driven, and I was missing that. 
And I was missing building relationships with people and families. And that's really what I wanted, you know, to become a part of their support system and a member of the community. On top of the work-life balance and the less commute and all of that, it was also more deeply rooted in what I feel like I was always meant to do. One of the things I think is really interesting, you know, listening to you talk about desire for balance and desire for positivity. And, you know, we talked a little bit about nutrition and things when we were talking before is almost the the juxtaposition and the friction that can happen when you kind of create these images in your mind of someone that's promoting positivity and balance and even like a holistic approach to well-being, like I see in your Instagram account with the approach of like medicine, the scientific approach for medicine, you kind of think of like meditation and yoga and almost spirituality compared to prescription drugs, right? Mm -hmm. Do you feel that friction in your daily practice? I do a lot, but I'm a believer in both. I'm a believer in the holistic approach to things, but I also am a strong believer in Western medicine and evidence-based medicine. So I do strike a balance of that in my practice. A lot of patients that I see are older and so are already on a lot of medications, right? I mean, they're in their 70s. They've been on cholesterol medicine for years, you know, or someone who's like 85 and has diabetes. Like, I'm not going to tell them not to eat birthday cake. You know what I mean? They've had 85 birthdays. They're allowed to eat whatever they want. If that means they have to be on a medicine, then so be it, you know? So I think while it seems counterintuitive, I think that balance helps me remember what's important. Sometimes less is more when it comes to older folks, you know, trying to get the best blood pressure in the world versus just kind of enjoying their life and not taking 30 pills, right? So it it helps me stay centered and grounded when I'm seeing patients, you know, what is the best option for this person. And is that true for some younger patients too? Is it really when you're looking at folks that have, you know, aged, but if you have someone coming in, you know, 30s, 40s, are you thinking maybe medicine then too? Or are you really looking more at diet and exercise and kind of the pillars of health? I kind of get a feel for that patient and what they are wanting. You know, some people come in wanting a pill to fix everything. And certainly I stop that immediately, right? I say that's, you know, we're not going to approach your health that way. But sometimes you don't have an option. Sometimes medication is what you need. Um, you know, and I, I found that a lot in mental health. Right now, so many people are struggling with depression and anxiety. It is so incredibly common because of all that's going on in the world. I mean, it's just crazy. So, you know, people come in feeling anxious and feeling depressed and never have been on medication. And while, yes, there are holistic ways to treat your mental health, and I do promote this, you know, get enough sleep and meditate and try to exercise and, you know, be around people who, who fill your cup, so to speak, but also it's completely okay to start an antidepressant. You know, and to tell them and just get rid of that stigma here and now, you know, I tell people, you do not get a trophy for not being on a medication. You do not get a trophy for being on half a pill. You know, you take what you need to help your mental health as much as your physical health. So I do strike a balance with younger folks too. I mean. Talking about pills, one of the things that that I saw when I was cyber stalking you was (laughs) this concept of vitamins. And more importantly, rather than going to those pills, in this case, the vitamins, potentially looking to a more well-balanced diet. And I thought maybe we can explore some of those vitamins that we can find in foods. And if you can just talk about the philosophy, what they are, how to find them, I thought that would be really great for our listeners. The big takeaway when it comes to vitamins is that if you have a well-balanced diet that is rich in plant foods, whole grains, lean proteins, 
fruits and vegetables, you probably do not need a multivitamin. And you may not need other vitamin supplements either. Most of what we get is from our diet. The entire vitamin aisle is not FDA regulated. So we don't know, you know, we don't always know exactly what we're getting when we're taking those. So I caution people to just go to the vitamin aisle and load up because it's not, that's not really where it should begin. It should begin in the kitchen. But there are some vitamin supplements that are fairly safe for most people to take. You know, adding a little magnesium can help with a lot of things. Headaches, sleep, uh, restless leg syndrome. Vitamin D can help with mood. It can help with, you know, wound healing. So there's some vitamins that are okay to add on in low doses. But I do encourage people to talk to their doctor first because a lot of these things can be screened for and you may need more of that vitamin or less depending on what your levels are. So like I said, the overall takeaway is is work on your diet. So let's talk a little bit about diet and clean. We were kind of talking a little bit about birthday cake before and how you will never tell somebody not to eat your birthday cake. Mm-hmm. And of course, there's there's balance in everything, right? Um, when someone comes in and they need some help with some diet, how can we start to really look at diet and how can we do it in a healthy way to where we don't just sort of create, you know, process where we're really just setting ourselves for failure? We talk a lot about kind of the diet culture here and the way that it doesn't really enable habit change? How do you how do you get people to really make meaningful changes to their lives? So the first thing I tell people is to start small. Somebody is coming in, for example, and they say, I'd really like to lose weight. I've been overweight my whole life. I'd like to lose weight. And I say, well, it took years to put it on and it's probably going to take years to take it off. So don't think this is going to happen overnight because that you're just going to get discouraged. Secondly, I say, you know, when you leave this room, you don't have to do it in front of me. But when you leave, try to make a list of some of your bad habits that you probably already know that you do. You know, people say, well, I eat all the right things. And I say, well, really think about it because you probably, there are probably some pitfalls in your diet that you can identify that you could change right off the bat, right? So do you snack at night? Do you have an extra soda during the day? Do you, you know, how many cookies are you really eating? You know, kind of thing. And pick one and work on that this week. Just one and see how you feel. You know, see how taking away half of the amount of soda that you drink, how how you feel after a week of that. If you feel better and if you've lost a pound or two, pick another bad habit. You choose your habits slowly and intentionally and one at a time. I think that big diet overhauls are really not the way to go. I don't believe in full elimination diets where you completely get rid of carbs or you completely get rid of fat or even intermittent fasting. I'm not a total fan of. I think it's really all about portion control and choosing the right foods and identifying your bad habits and working towards turning them around. We talked a lot about what you eat, but I want to shift a little bit to the mind. And you have such a great quote about do not let the mind control your body, the concept of body positivity. And I was hoping you can explain and more importantly, from your own words, define what do you mean by body positivity? What is it? And more importantly, why is it so important? Body positivity is my new life goal. I wouldn't say new, but I would say it's probably the top thing that I focus on when talking to myself and to my family and friends and my patients. I think body positivity means accepting who you are in this at the same time as working to be your best self. And that doesn't mean be your fittest self. That doesn't mean look the best in a bikini self. That that means that, you know, you have come to a place 
where you are accepting of your body and all that it can do for you and all that it has done for you, whether it's made babies or ran a marathon 20 years ago or, you know, gotten you through medical school or whatever, you know, I mean, so I think it's just, it's coming to a place of self-acceptance while working on improving how you feel, you know, working on improving both your mind and your physical stance is how I would describe it. And I want to talk a little bit about your personal progress and the, and the way that you're approaching all this, because in addition to being all of the things that you are, you're still a human and you have been pretty open about some of the things that you yourself are working to improve. How do you bring what you know through education and by watching people and being a, a caregiver yourself into your own life to be, you know, balanced and successful? And there's air quotes there for success for how we want to define that. You know, I am a work in progress, as is everybody. (laughs) Working on health, wellness, and body positivity for me is a daily thing. I mean, I, like you said, I am human and I have days where I, you know, wish I didn't eat that or wish I moved more or wish I got better sleep or wish I didn't yell at my kids. I just always come back to that attitude of gratitude and trying to remember all that I have, all that I've been given and take it easy on myself. I have been a perfectionist my whole life. And that has been to a degree helpful in gaining success, but it's also harmful. And I'm learning that and I'm finding freedom in the fact that perfection doesn't exist. And it's not worth pursuing because it's not out there. And so to be happy and grateful and accepting of what you have now is, is how I approach my own life and health and wellness and career and family. When I meet with most people, I'll introduce myself and I'll say, I am a recovering workaholic. I'm a recovering perfectionist and I am a recovering imposter. So it sounds like we have a lot in common on that point, specifically around the perfection, it's often easier said than done. And I would love I know we've all just said we're a work in progress. But I would love some thoughts of you for our listeners who are just on the journey who have just had their awareness, I am and have not yet applied some practices. What do you find works best for you to to let that go let go of that perfection and just accept for what is rather than what could or should be? You know, it's actually kind of hard because I live with a husband who is an extreme perfectionist and he is um, (laughs) extremely OCD about cleanliness and tidiness in our home. And so I often find myself feeling inadequate, like I have not cleaned enough or, you know, the house is a mess. You don't even look behind me right now. And I, I feel like I should have done this chore or that chore in anticipation of, you know, kind of creating this perfect space for our family to live in. And so it is hard to let that go when someone else feels like, you know, outer order in our palm. But I remind myself that, you know, I do these things for me and for our family, not for somebody else's mind space. So I, I you know, if somebody else is feeling um, the need to, to have things perfect, I try not to let that enter my space, I don't accept it into my mind. I used to really track how much I exercised. I don't anymore. You know, I accept if I need to snooze, I need to snooze. I kind of take a moment and say, 
this is what my body needs and this is what I'm going to do. And then I wake up feeling more grateful that I had the time to do that. You know, so things like that. It's a constant work in progress. And another thing too, is I want to set a good example for my kids, right? So while I don't want to have a cupcake or something, you know, I'm like, Oh God, I've already had so much sweets today. I probably shouldn't have this cupcake, but we bought these cupcakes for this special event. And my daughter says, mommy, are are you, are you going to have a cupcake? Hell yeah. I'm going to have a cupcake. You know, and I want to set a good example for her that life is about enjoying these special moments as well as eating healthy. You know, I don't want her to always look and say, well, mommy doesn't eat desserts. That's the silliest thing ever. You know, I want her to be the girl in the room when she's 35 and she walks into a meeting and there's donuts and she's like, yes, you know, and she indulges (laughs) every once in a while. So I think setting a good example for them is huge for me. So you have a lot going on and we've talked about a lot. We've talked sort of our thought process and our mindset. We've talked about nutrition. We've talked about this need for balance. We haven't really talked about fitness. And I want to talk on this for a little bit too, because it is another, this another component that you talk about a good deal and Instagram is your practice and what you do. Can you share what you do and where you would kind of encourage people to look for some easy exercises that can make a big difference for our overall being? Yeah, totally. So I'm a huge yogi. I've been I'm doing yoga for about 20 years. I mean, I would wake up when I was 15 years old and set an alarm and put my yoga VHS and do it before high school. So I've been doing that for years. That's a huge part of my fitness routine. I also love to run. I don't do that as much anymore because my knees are starting to feel it. I recently did get a Peloton. I drank the Kool-Aid and it is delicious. <laughs> it's so fun. <laughs> and so before I had like the Peloton app, I used Active. So I've used several different fitness apps that have classes on them. Um, and if we're not talking about like going to a yoga studio or, or that kind of thing, especially in this day and age, if you want to exercise at home, I find that's huge because even as a runner, sometimes I get bored or whatever. And so I'll pick a running class on one of these apps, you know, Peloton or the other ones or whatever. And that I think is a really great way to get started, right? They've got like lots of programs, you know, walking classes on there. So I think that's good because it they're very encouraging these instructors on these apps. So, you know, yoga, I you could really, if you wanted to start it at home, you just Google beginner yoga and YouTube will just fill your home with as much yoga as you want. I think that's where I would start. And then going kind of hand in hand with yoga, is there also meditation that you're doing? Is there an app you're using for your meditation? Or are you doing that through YouTube as well? I have used my Headspace. I have used Calm before. Those are two apps that I've used. But I also have certain meditations that I do just on my own. Um, and they're very brief. I don't spend, you know, 30 minutes a day meditating or anything. You know, I, I find that if I'm having a, an anxious moment or if I'm having a really busy moment and I just need to like, who's that? You know, I'll take two minutes and, um, just close my eyes and deep breathe. And I picture my skull being empty and I picture the air going in as if it were like clouds in the sky and kind of moving and kind of like almost like a wind blowing inside my skull to clear everything out. And I do that for like a minute or two and then I'm done. And it, you know, that's, so that's kind of how I meditate. (laughs) I am going to take us towards the end, just in terms of, of timing. And this is a question that we ask every one of our guests. And I'm going to ask you an end question because I don't think we've talked about either, but if you can recommend one book and one piece of advice for our listeners, what would it be? 
Well, the book I would recommend would be called The Big Red Giving Bag, which is my children's Christmas book. No, I'm just kidding. So actually, you know what? Why don't we, not since we brought it up, why, why don't you say what is my Big okay. Red Christmas yeah, Giving? So, Let's do it, and then we'll come back to the last okay. question. We have a little yes. time. So The Big Red Giving Bag is a whole other side deal that I do, um, and I came up with this a couple of years ago. It's a Christmas tradition. It's sold with a book and a Santa bag. And the idea is that Santa is asking the child, Christmas is coming. It's really busy. I can really use your help this year. I've sent you a big red giving bag, one just like mine. And if you could fill it with toys that you don't play with anymore, or that you think another child might like to love, fill your bag with those toys and put your bag under your Christmas tree on Christmas Eve. And when I come to your house that night, I'll see your bag and I'll air quote, take it with me. And I'll take your toys back to my workshop and fix them up and deliver them to children all over the world. So it's about teaching children the joy of giving during the holiday season instead of receiving, but in kind of like a magical Santa's helper way. So that is super fun. We launched that last year. And so we're just gearing up for our second year with that. And yeah, it's really fun. Quickly on that though, so and this is more, more for my own personal information, but outside of the teaching of the giving and the importance of, of helping others, totally get that. But do you actually get the toys? Are you centralizing them and no. giving them out? We did have a couple questions on that, but we, you know, out of all the books we sold last year, I think it was a win that I only got a couple questions about that. Got it. No, it's more parents donate to the toys to their charity of choice. So there's children's charities out there. They're, you know, Goodwill, obviously, Salvation Army, things like that, or the trash can, you know, if it warrants it. So it's really about decluttering the playroom kind of secretly and in a Santa kind of way. And in a way without hopeful tears, right? Like (laughs) tantrums and tears that come with cleaning out the toys. It's the kids get to do Mm -hmm. it. And, um, you know, my daughter did it last year and she said it was her favorite part of Christmas. She was very sweet about it. So, and I don't even think she's, knows I wrote the book. But my my favorite book that I would recommend is The Book of Joy by Douglas Abrams. He interviewed the Dalai Lama and the Archbishop Archbishop Desmond Tutu. And so two head figures of different religions. And they just kind of got together and talked about joy and happiness. And I love that book. I think that is, it's absolutely incredible. It helps you reflect on your own joy, as well as how you can bring joy to others and just the world in general, which we so desperately need, right? So um, that's when I would recommend everybody read. It's a nice one that you can pick up and put down, you know, whenever you have time. Do you have any parting words of advice for us? Parting words of advice for anyone, for y'all, don't be so hard on yourself. Be kind to others. So I know where to find you on Instagram. Mm-hmm. Jacqueline knows where, to, knows where to find you on Instagram, but where can our followers find you on Instagram? Yes. So my handle is at Danny Lee MD, like L-E-I-G-H, Danny Lee MD. Danny, it's been absolutely amazing to have you here. I'm so excited we got to touch on what we were, you know, so curious to ask you about. And like we were saying before, we might have more questions for you. So we might be reaching out soon to have you come back on. But thank you for joining us today. Yeah, thank y'all. Thank you. Bye-bye. Yeah, bye. bye. Thank you all for joining us today. We hope you enjoyed listening to us as much as we enjoy participating in the conversation. Now your homework is to be sure to like, subscribe, and let us know what you thought about today's discussion. And of course, find us online, 52weeksofme.net with a number five and a number two, and an Instagram at 52weeksofme spelled out. And we love emails, so email us at 52weeksofme spelled out at gmail.com. We look forward to hearing from you all soon. Bye! Bye.